Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning. Look at this wonderful couple right here. You guys know Josh and Jen Wen? Pastors Josh and Jen. (laughs) Did you heckle? Easy, Joe. Um, I asked them to come up kind of last minute impromptu um, to pray for them. We're going to pray for them today. And here's why. If you're visiting or maybe don't know what's going on, uh, Josh is on staff here, his wife, Jen. They're both pastors. We love them dearly, Um, but at the end of 2021-ish, they started to sense the Lord was stirring them to become senior pastors of a church somewhere in the world. We assumed America. We didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know. So, and so we brought that to the church just around Christmas time, and we've been praying with them. And this week, they're leaving on Wednesday, Tuesday night, and they're going to drive out to a church in Pennsylvania, right? I remembered, I remembered, and they're going to go out there and they're going to look at this church and they're looking for senior pastors and they're looking to become senior pastors. And so it's possible that God is maybe putting this thing together. So we're asking God to make that apparent. We're asking God to show them. Um, walking in faith is a really wild thing some days. You think you hear from God, right? So you trust it, and so you step out in belief, and, and you just don't know. So what I want to do is, is we're going to stretch, stretch out our hands, which I know sounds weird, but we're charismatic, so get over it, right? We're Pentecostals. Welcome. We're going <laughs> to... If you didn't know that, welcome to Renaissance. This is so good. Um, we're going to pray for them. And, um, and when I'm done, if you guys want to say amen, which just means I agree with what God's doing, let's just see that, Okay. Let's pray together. Um, Joe, thank you, yes. Uh, Lord, we thank you for Josh and Jen. We thank you for the work that they've done here at Renaissance. We have been immeasurably blessed by their work here. And um, we, we are not gonna stand in the way of what you're doing, God, even though it would make it difficult for us should they leave. There would be challenges, but we know, God, if you're moving them on, that you're bringing someone else to, to fill their holes, so to speak. So right now, Lord, we don't look to that. We look to just releasing them into your will. As they travel, we ask that you give them safety and guidance, that you'd give them miraculous funding for $4.75 a gallon. <laughs> With that, in Jesus' name, I think. And then we just ask, God, that you would just really show them as they walk into this city, this town in Pennsylvania, they visit this church, maybe talk to the people there. I don't know, but whatever, Lord God, that there would be an open door for them, and they would know. There'd be no guessing. And if it's not that, Lord, if it's for something else, we ask that you shut the door and you move them on somewhere else. We'll take them back, Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you. And we send Josh and Jen into, in faith into your will. Right? We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You guys are great. Right? Let's applaud them. So they've already started my timer, so I've got to hurry now. Um, It's okay. Uh, Welcome to Renaissance. My name's Jeff. I'm one of the leaders here in the church. Um, If I didn't get a chance to meet you before service, it's typically because I'm hiding in the back here because I'm an introvert. Say introvert with me. I'm very shy and an introvert, but I I love coming to church just to see you people. I love coming to church to preach. 
um, to read the Bible. I love coming to church to, to sing songs uh, to Jesus. Um, and I, I love the fact that I get to hang out with you today. So thank you for coming. If you have a Bible with you, we're going to continue our study in the book of Galatians. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 3. I'll be working through verses 10 through 14. And as, um, if you have a Bible with you, you can turn there. If you have a Bible app on your phone, feel free to use that. Underneath the seat around you, you might find a hardback black Bible that you can turn uh, to Galatians chapter 3. It's in the New Testament. It's kind of towards the back, so to speak. It's about that far from the end if you want to try to find it there. So we'll put the words on the screen um, for you. You can follow along there. Um, but I just want to, I want to go two different directions, and I'm not 100% sure Okay, there it is. I'll go this way. Is it okay? This is not in my notes, so um, it, who knows what the, what's going to happen at this point. Um, I have a dog. Uh, his name is Wally. Um, have, have I talked about Wally before here at the church? Uh, Wally's geriatric. By that, I mean he's old. And about two years ago, he tore his ACL, which I don't know how he does because he doesn't do anything. How did he tore his ACL? <laughs> he, he literally does nothing. <laughs> but he tore his ACL, and we... Um, Lovingly, and I say this lovingly, we opted not to have surgery because we didn't know if he'd live long enough, right? But I'll be danged if he hasn't lived for two more years. <laughs> so he limps along like, like it's the craziest thing. We got people driving by our house all the time saying, I think your dog's been hit by a car. He's limping really bad. I said, no, that's just Tuesday. It's just, <laughs> it's just Wally walking around. Um, all that to say, I was walking him this morning, um, and I was ahead of him because I was kind of in a hurry. I'm like, come on, Wally, come on. We got to go potty. We got to do the thing. And I'm trying to hurry him. I'm trying to rush him. I'm like, come on. We've got some play. I got to go to church. Come on. And in that moment, the Lord reminded me of a passage in the New Testament. It's the Apostle Peter. And he's writing to Christians, talking about God's judgment, talking about God's promised judgment, that there's going to come a day where God's going to judge the world and, and all of this stuff. He's talking about all that. But in the midst of this discussion with these people, he, he says, but the low is not slow in keeping his promises. He's not a slack like some of you think he should be, but he's in fact waiting so that all people would come to repentance, that all people would come to faith in Jesus Christ before he sends his judgment. Okay, now that, that's a crazy thing for us to understand. It's not my message, but I, what, what I heard this morning is I'm trying to hurry Wally along is the Lord saying, Jeff, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. So even though that's talking about judgment, hear, hear me when I say this to you by way of encouragement, that there are things that God has spoken um, to you in your life, and you're wondering if they're ever going to come to be. And the Lord just would remind us that he is not slow, that in his perfect time, God is going to do the exact thing he said he was going to do. Is this helping anyone? I see that hand, right? Is this help? It helped me this morning because um, I'm desperate for uh, the Lord to be doing something incredible in my life, right? I need God to do something more. Listen, I can't keep doing this thing this way and call it living. I feel like I'm lying when I, when I claim to be a Christian and I read the scriptures, when it talks about all the promises and the abundant life that Jesus has for us and the powered by the Holy Spirit, I, I feel like I'm living a lie if I'm not living into that very thing that God has for me. And so I'm desperate for God to do something. Anyone else? Anyone else? It's okay. Listen, I'm desperate for him to do something. And this morning as I'm hurrying poor little Wally along, the Lord's like, Jeff, I'm not finished, man. 
I'm not finished. So I hope that encourages some of you today. That you came to church. You don't, I don't know why you came. Maybe you came because a friend invited you. You came because you feel obligated because your spouse is going. I don't know, I, you know. Right? I know the game. I know all that. You came because, well, I, I, feel like I, I feel like if I don't, my week will go bad. Right? I, knew, I took a phone call from a guy a number of years ago. Years ago he used to come to Renaissance. And he says, Jeff, you got to pray for me, man, because it's like every time I leave the house, I feel like if I don't touch the keys a certain way and if I don't put, put my, my, the doorknob right, if I don't hit the light switch, you know what I'm talking about? If I don't do all these things right, that somehow God's going to punish my week or he's going to make my day go bad for me. And I remember praying for him, like, dude, you need to become a Christian is what you need to become, <laughs> right? That's just, that's crazy talk. That's not what God is doing in your life. He's not going to bless you or, or whatever and do these great things in your life because you do all the things right. Listen, we are blessed because of all the things Jesus did, right? Like, we could play that game. In fact, as I get into Galatians, that's really what Paul is addressing to the church in Galatia, that they, they've got themselves befuddled in this idea that they think that they, if they do all of these certain things, if they obey all of these commands, get, don't get me wrong, they're commands from God. They're commands from God. God commanded them. It's called the old covenant, the old law, if you will. And if they followed all these things, God would bless them. And he promised to do so. But all of that changed when Jesus' body was broken and his blood was poured out. When the cross was revealed on Mount Calvary, when Jesus died on that cross, was buried in the grave, and raised from the dead, all of that changed. It's a new covenant. It's a different way. And now it's faith and belief. It's not works. Some of you maybe came to church today because you're like, well, I got to go, so my week will go well. I'm like, dude, your week's going to go well because Jesus is on the throne. Your week's going to go well because Jesus loves us enough to intercede for us, to pray for us, to go to the Father on our behalf, to believe that God can do something in our lives. He has more faith in us than you have in us. Or he has more faith in you than you have in you. Anyone? Hmm. All right, I want to ask them to start my timer all over again. I've wasted way too much time. Now I'm starting. Are we ready? Okay, so my daughter, my youngest daughter, Reagan, she's 18. Uh, my, my wife and I, Stacy, we have two daughters. One's in Spain, coming home in a couple weeks. Yay, Riley, we're ha happy to have Riley. And Reagan is graduating high school. And um, with the heat wave that blew through central Illinois last week, was it 90-some degrees last week? Was that garbage or what? Like, I, like I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for that. I was ready for like 70s, but 90s blew in, and, and as graduation is looming, it, it dawned on me that summer is vastly approaching, and in summer, schools are going to close, and families start taking vacations, right? That's what we do. We take vacations. We plan things. And I've been around people long enough to know that there are two types of vacationers in the room here. There are people who love excitement and adventure. <laughs> They're sitting on this part of the room. They, like, if they've seen it in a TV or a movie, if they read about it in a magazine, like, I want to go to that place, I want to do that thing, and they plan their vacations around it. They get the, the VRBO, whatever, they go that way, right? Kyle, you're one of those guys. Like, adventure, let's go. All right, I've been with you. I know that. I can't keep up with you. I'm just saying. But they just go, 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 go. And then there's other people, we call them normal people, who... <laughs> who just like sameness and familiarity. Vacation for them sounds like, wait for it, staycation. Anyone? Where you, yes, amen. Where you just settle into the normalcies of life and you just, like, I'm just going to work on the yard or I'm going to do whatever. I'm just going to stay here. Or maybe you vacationed to Palm Springs before and you're like, you know, I want to go back to Palm Springs because I know exactly what's there. I know the good restaurants, the good taco joints. I know all this stuff, right? Regardless of which person you are in that group, your adventurous type or the familiar type or whatever, if you've ever been sick on vacation, uh, there's only one thing you want, and that's to come back home. 
right? You want the comfort and familiar place of home. You want to stay in your bed, right? You want to watch old movies, right? Like The Goonies. That's an old movie for me. The Goonies, let's go, right? Anyone? And you don't want to think. You just want to, like, fall in and out of a fever coma. You just want to, like, just, like you want to eat, like, the saltine crackers and chicken soup. Anyone? Not the good chicken soup, the stuff you dump out and you have to add water to it, right? That, that stuff where the chicken pieces are this big and it's like 98% sodium. You know what I'm talking about? Like that your parents fed you because they thought it was good for you. Because <laughs> it's mm, good. It ain't good for you. I'm just saying. But there's that, that comfort that comes from familiarity. Um, today's passage, as I read in Galatians 3, it's kind of familiar to us. In fact, if you've been coming to Renaissance for a the last many weeks, a couple months, we've been working through the book of Galatians where the Apostle Paul is, is arguing, if you will, to the Galatian church that they've, they've lost their way. His language is they've been bewitched. They've been lied to. They've been pulled away from the true gospel that's, that we've talked about, which is faith in Jesus Christ. And these Christians are now following this, this idea, this Old Testament, Old Covenant sort of way of living. Like they have to obey all the rules again. They have to, right? This, this has been what we've been saying ad nauseum for the past six weeks or so. And I'm doing it again today. I'm teaching the same message. And so it's real easy for us to just sort of check out, lean our head back, let our mind wander, start making our grocery list. And just so you know, you have permission to do that. Like, it doesn't bother. You could, like, lay down and sleep in here. It won't bother me at all, right? You can do that. Or, or you can find comfort in these words. That they're the same words. You've heard them before. Maybe you've lost them. Maybe, you know, as TJ said, you know, we forget. We're people. We forget. Or maybe these things will just bring comfort to you. So that's what I want to do. I want to read this passage for us in Galatians chapter 3. I'll put the words behind you, and you can follow along. I'll start here in verse 10 and read through 14. Paul writes this to the Christians in Galatia. He says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, and he, in quotes, he quotes an Old Testament passage that we, well, if we have time, we'll get to today. He quotes an Old Testament passage. Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Pause right here. The book of the law, he's talking about the Mosaic law, the law of Moses. He's talking about the first five books of the Old Testament. It's the instruction of God for his people. The Hebrew word for this is Torah. Maybe you've heard Torah. And he says the person who looks to Torah and relies on Torah or the 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 law to find acceptance to God, that those people are under a curse. They're under a curse from God. And here's why, verse 11, because it is evident that no one is justified before God. They're not justified before God by the law. He says, for the righteous shall live by faith. Another Old Testament passage that he's quoting. I love how Paul is using the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, to prove his point. But verse 12, But the law, he says, is not a faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. And Christ Jesus, this is the Son of God, the chosen one, he has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Again, an Old Testament passage. And verse 14, so that, and here's his conclusion, that in Christ Jesus, The blessing of Abraham might come to Gentiles, to non-Jewish people, to the rest of the world, basically, 
and so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. That he's speaking of salvation here. He's speaking of uh, righteousness being imputed to us through Christ Jesus. He's speaking of justification, all churchy words. But just to say this, that what God had promised Abraham all those years ago, and if you're here last week, Joe mentioned this real briefly, but there's a man named Abraham that, that God took to the top of a mountain and he pointed out all the land. He says, look around. He said, all of this land is going to be an inheritance to your descendants. And if you wonder about your descendants, he goes, just look up into the night sky and look at the stars and begin to count all of them. And that's how numerous your descendants are going to be. And he's speaking of an event that will take place through Christ Jesus that will increase God's people, not just from the Israelite people or the Jewish people, but will include Gentiles, non-Jewish people like many of us, I suspect all of us in the room today. That the inheritance of God given to Abraham through Jesus Christ is, wait for it, is us. It is us, and it is through the Spirit of God. That in salvation, when we come to faith in Christ Jesus and his work on the cross for us, that the Holy Spirit has been given to us as sort of a down payment. I always like to call it earnest money. It's probably the wrong thing, but it's a down payment of, of the inheritance that we're getting. We are getting the very, wait for it, the power of God himself inside of us. And he will do something in us in all the nations of the earth that would blow Abraham's mind if he could have seen it at the time that we are part of that promise that he made back then. It wasn't just for the, the 12 tribes of Israel, that it was for the whole world through Christ Jesus. And, and Paul is talking to Gentile Christians in Galatia, and they've, they've gotten confused because false teachers have come in and begin to tell them it's more than just believing in Jesus Christ. You also have to have a right understanding of all of the Old Testament Torah too. You have to follow all of those rules too. Paul thinks that's wrong. Um, I'm in Camp Paul. Anyone? Yes, I agree. I think it's wrong as well. So he uses language of blessing, right, and curses. Now, Paul, for some time in this book of Galatians, he's used these opposing ideas, antithetical ideas, to sort of prove or to explain what uh, the acceptance of God looks like. I'll give you some examples. He said this not long ago, crucified with Christ, right? Being dead with Christ to be alive with God. See these sort of counterbalancing points? That there's the hearing of faith and the doing of works. There's beginning with the spirit and there's ending with the flesh. And when we read verse 10 on its own, it feels like Paul's just changing his, his thought about something. He's going in a different direction. But we have to put verse 9 with verse 10 to see these sort of opposing viewpoints. Let me read verse 9. We're going to go back to last week just for a little bit. Hope that's okay, Joe. Anyways, verse 9 says this. So that those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So in verse 9, we learn that those who live by faith are what? Blessed. In verse 10, from this week, it says this, for all who rely on the works are under a curse, <laughs> right? So verse 9 says, if you live by faith, you're blessed. Verse 10 says, and if you live by the law, you're cursed. And Paul's doing this intentionally. He wants us to think about a particular passage in the Old Testament. If you know your Old Testament well, like Paul does for sure, when you think blessings and curses, you automatically go back to two chapters in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. And you can write this down. This could be homework for you. It's fun reading. But if you read verses or chapters 27 and 28 of Deuteronomy, these are the blessings and curses passages. 
And there's a story that Paul wants us to understand. And I know that he's, he's driving us back to this point because he actually quotes chapter 27, verse 26. Listen to what he says here. Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of the law by doing them. He quotes that Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy passage in verse 10. He says, Cursed is everyone who does not confirm the words of the law by doing them. And it says here in Deuteronomy, And all the people shall say amen, which is so strange. What does this mean? Let me, i got to unpack this. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to run out of time. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Um, I'm not caffeinated, but I'm going to act like it right now. Um, Paul wants us to think about this passage in the Old Testament because there's something that's transpiring for the people of God. God's people, the Israelites, had been held in bondage in a nation called Egypt for centuries. They'd found themselves enslaved. They'd, they'd left the promised land. They were in the promised land. They, they'd left the promised land. It's a story I don't have time to go into right now. And they'd found themselves enslaved down in Egypt. And they cried out to God, and God sent them a helper. His name is Moses. You guys have seen the movie, right? The Ten Commandments, the plagues, all the stuff. And God rescues his people out of, of Egypt, and he brings them back into the promised land, the, the land that he promised Abraham. And as they stand on this side of the Jordan River and Shechem, which is this part in the promised land, is just on the other side of the river, Moses stops everyone and says, listen, there's a couple of things I need to tell you before we go back into the promised land. Oh, this is a moment, guys. This is a thing. Before you go in there, I want to tell you something. We're going to divide the 12 tribes into two different camps when we get into Shechem. And over here, there's a mountain. It's actually a hill, really. They call it a mountain. I don't know why. They don't have the Rockies. That's why. So they, they have a mount over here called Gerizim. I'm taking six of the tribes, and I'm putting you on that side of that mountain. And the other six tribes, I'm putting you on this mountain, this mountain called Ebal. And this valley in between is Shechem. This is the very place that Abraham came into the promised land centuries ago when God led him out of Ur into the promises of God. This is no coincidence that they're the exact same place as they're crossing over the Jordan River into the very promises that God had promised Abraham. They're coming into it too. And he says, half of you are going to go over here, half of you are going to go over here, and then I'm going to have the Levites, the priests, and they're going to de declare blessings and curses over you if you follow and obey all of the Torah. If you follow and obey all of the commandments that God has given you, then blessings will come. But if you do not obey these commandments, then curses from God himself will come upon you. Paul is taking us back to that moment where the people of God, if you can feel the tension, like, holy cow, like God has done a miracle in our lives. He's parted Red Seas. He's done, he's fed us through manna in the desert for 40 years. Water's coming from rocks. I'm talking miracle upon miracle. And now we're going into the promised land. It's happening right now. And then he says, and be careful. Be careful that you don't disobey God. Be careful to, to know the law and understand the law and not just know it and understand it, but do it and do everything in it. Because if you don't, you'll be cursed. You can imagine what it's like to be a person who follows after God in that day where everything was all performance-based. Any good test takers in the room? Yeah, me neither. <laughs> right? We, with, with God's test, you can imagine this. You have to get a 100 to pass. Like, you could get 99 of the commandments right. You could do all of them right all week, all month, all year. It could be New Year's Eve, and you break one command, and you fail. Can you believe that? It's pass or fail with God. So this is the tension that God's people are living in for a long time. And if you read the Old Testament, you know that God's people struggled with being obedient to God. And curses did come, and they find themselves in trouble all the time. Paul's driving their attention back to that story 
And so here we come back to Galatians chapter 10. Let me read it again for you. Chapter 10, he says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the law. And that's, an old te- that's, a, that's a quote from that story in Deuteronomy. There's a traditional view um, that says this, that, that rabbis in Paul's day, and he, I guess Jesus' day too, uh, believed this, that, that the, the law cannot be fulfilled completely. It's this called the unfulfillable character of the law. That there's, there's nothing no one can do to fulfill all the law. In fact, look at this verse in James chapter 2, verse 10. This is James, the brother of Jesus, who writes in the New Testament, says this. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point becomes guilty of all of it. Again, you could keep all 99 commands, but if you fail in one, you've failed the whole thing. In the 16th century, there's a, a French reformer named John Calvin. John Calvin um, had this to say about Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. That he says that the people are cursed, which is what Paul's, the language Paul is using, is because they do not have, humanity does not have within it the power to fulfill the law due to its corruptible state. Uh, if you know John Calvin's teachings at all, he calls this total depravity, that there's a brokenness in all of humanity because of sin, and because of that sin, we cannot fully obey all the law. And I think that's somewhat true, and I've seen some of that happen in my own life. Um, let me share this story. I don't have these in my notes either, but this, it feels right. So, so before I became a Christian, um, I used to do some really stupid stuff. Like my wife would say, you're a Christian, you still do some really stupid stuff, <laughs> right? But I'm talking about, I did some really dumb things that brought a lot of destruction into my life before I became a Christian. Um, I won't bore you with the details, although I'm sure you'd love to know the details. But looking around the room, I suspect many of you are like me in a sense. You just made decision after decision that just brought um, brokenness and destruction into your life. After I became a Christian, um, I realized that those things in, in my life that I was doing were actually sins. I didn't know that at the time. They were sins. And, and I couldn't stop them no matter how hard I tried. That I didn't have the power within me to change. And yet when I became a Christian, all those things that I struggled with for, listen, decades in my life, um, by the power of God's spirit inside of me, all of a sudden they begin to change. Nod at me if you've experienced this in your own life. There's been things in your life that you struggled with, and then, and then all of a sudden you, you get the power of God inside of you, and, and these things just change. Like I didn't have to like work at it. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have to work at it. So I understand what Calvin is driving at here, that there is some some corruption in us that, that says we can't um, fulfill all the law, and he's, he thinks that's why a person's cursed. I'm going to disagree with him here, and there's another view that says that what Paul is driving at here is that the people are cursed if they try to obey the law. Hear me, not because they can't obey it. It's because the law was never intended to justify a person anyways. That all of the, the Mosaic law, all of this tension of living between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, all of this trying to obey all of the things God was saying, those things, that, that whole lifestyle, that old covenant was never intended to make a person righteous anyways. So what was it for? The law, the, the, the Torah, the instruction of God was given to us, was given to humanity so that we might find our own inadequacies in it so that we might find our own bankruptedness in it, so that we might finally come to the conclusion like, ho, 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 I can't fix this on my own. You get to this place where you're like, oh my gosh, I need something bigger than me. 
I need something greater than me to change me. One of my favorite things to say in the church, and if you've been to Renaissance for a long time, you've heard me say it a lot, but nobody in this room has lied to you more than you. You always say, I'm going to change. This year is going to be the year I'm going to stop this or start this, and I promise I'll never do it again. And yet, the, right, we always fail. I'm telling you, what, what um, we're learning is that the law was intended to show our inadequacies, our inability to change. And what I love about this is the law actually gave an outroad for a person who found themselves cursed by God. So if a person sinned against God, if they broke the commands, that's called sin, if they broke the commands, the law actually gave instruction on what a person should do, that they should take a, an innocent animal, a lamb, a dove, a, a pigeon or something, a bull, you name it, they would take an innocent animal and they would slaughter that animal as a sacrifice to God and the shed blood would atone for their sins. And this is barbaric, almost sounds crude, to be honest with you, but it was the pattern that God had explained in his Torah, in his instructions to God's people, that when you sin, take an innocent animal, shed its blood, sacrifice it to me, and I will cover for your sin. So what was the law for? What was the purpose of the law? To show us the inadequacies of our own lives, but also to show us the sufficiency of sacrifice for atonement. You would sacrifice an animal, and you'd be good with God, right? You'd be, you'd be like, right on. He's, he accepts you back until you sin again. And then you drag another bull to the altar <laughs> to sacrifice it, and then you'd be good with God again. You're like, yeah, until you what? Sin again. We call this Friday night. And you're all good again, right? And then you have to sacrifice it. So it's, it's, it's this lather, rinse, repeat, this hamster wheel of life again and again and again and again. You want to know what the law was for? You want to know why a person's cursed if they rely on the law? It's because the law can't save you. It never was intended to. It's like calling 911 or thinking you're calling 911 because you're in a car accident and you need help, but you inadvertently call 411. Right? I need an ambulance, I need a fire truck, whatever. And they're like, I can't help you, bro. <laughs> you called the wrong number. You're asking it to do something that it's not intended to do. They don't do that there. Is this making sense? I just dated myself. Some people don't even know what 911 and 411 is. Um, and that's okay. I don't judge you. I don't like you, but I don't judge you. Um, hmm. Okay. I've run out of time. What do I do? What do I do? Uh, okay, I've got a whole bunch of stuff I want to say. All right, so the law can't save us. Say amen. amen. It can't. But God loves us enough to give it, get us saved. God loves us enough to make a way for us, and that is, in, that is through Jesus Christ. Okay, I hope that's at least been picked up this morning through our singing and through everything else. Jesus is a big deal. Say amen. Yes, amen. All right, so... So the reason a person is cursed is because the law can't save them, but Jesus can. And in fact, that's what he says here in verse 13, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, that Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Redeeming just means this. He's purchased us. He's bought us back from the law, that the law has, has, has bound us and it can't save us. And yet Christ has redeemed us. By how? How do you do it? By becoming a curse for us. 
So even though Jesus has never sinned and isn't due the curse of sin, which is death, he died upon a cross. Have you ever thought for a moment why, when we go into our Christmas season, why we always celebrate Jesus was born of a virgin? You ever, you ever thought about this? It's just a weird part of the story. And people even said, does it even matter that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin? Oh my God, yes. And here's why. Because every person who's ever born in the natural way between, okay, so when a mom loves her dad, or, or, or your mommy loves your daddy, right, or whatever. So everyone, when a person's born in the natural way, through that way, the person is born corruptible. They're born into sin. But Jesus Christ, the story tell us in the scriptures that he was born differently in a supernatural way. He was not born in the natural way. And the part of the story is he was born of a virgin. It even says the Holy Spirit came to Mary and, and conceived in her womb. What does this look like? I don't know. I don't know. But it's supernatural. All that to say that Jesus was born different. And not only was he born different, but he lived different. And he was able to fulfill all the Torah. He was able to fulfill all the, the, the commandments of God. And so when he lays upon a cross to give his life, it's, it's unjust. Because he doesn't deserve it. There's nothing right in this. If there's a person who should be hanging on a cross, it's you and me. It's us, not Jesus. He's done nothing to deserve it. And yet, Paul's telling us, but Jesus Christ was cursed for us, for us, on our behalf, punishment of sin was placed upon him, and death entered him, and they buried him in a grave. You remember the evening he was arrested, he shares that meal with his disciples, where he takes this bread and he breaks it and he says, this is my body which was broken for you and he shares it with his disciples. They're like, what? They're like, what does this mean? They have no clue what it means until the cross. He takes a cup of wine and he drinks it and he says, this is my blood, the blood of my new covenant. I'm doing something new. Listen, no longer are God's people gonna live in the valley between two mountains, walk in the tightrope, hoping I get it all right because there's another mountain that's gonna speak to God's people. And it's a mount called Calvary. And it's where Jesus Christ would give his life. And he becomes a curse for us. And when God raises him from the dead, death has no claim on him because he has not sinned. He accepts his sacrifice, the eternal sacrifice. No longer do we drag bulls and goats to the altar because Jesus Christ has sacrificed his life for us once and for all. And in faith in that story is a person found righteous, justified, accepted. That we are no longer bound by rules for salvation. We're no longer bound by the old covenant of doing, read, read, check this. Go home today before you flip on whatever. Um, are the Cardinals going to lose today? I can't, I don't know. They don't play today? Well, whatever. Um, there's always next week. Um, I don't follow baseball. I don't care. I thought that would be a joke. It wasn't. So forget you people. I don't even care. Um, but before you do whatever you're going to do today, read, read Deuteronomy chapter 27 and 28. Just for fun. Read it with your kids. Like, scare the poo out of them. <laughs> like, read it before they go to bed tonight. And now, and now imagine yourself trying to live that way. 
Like, just imagine trying to do all of the things that is commanded of us. And that's just a small portion of all the commands. There's 614 commands in the Old Testament. Like, try to do all of that. Or have faith in Jesus Christ and let the mount, mountain called Calvary speak over your life instead of these two other mountains. Is this, is this connecting with any of you? Oh, okay. I did it. Um, it, it's why um, it's why the song that we sang earlier, "O oh, the Cross," where it talks about His body broken for us and His blood. Right? That, I don't know what the lyrics are because I'm terrible at lyrics, but it's it's what that song says to us that is so true for us. I said earlier that God is not slow in keeping His promises, as some think of slowness, but He is faithful, and He's waiting for all to come to repentance and to know him. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. So there's people in the room who've been trying to earn your way to God, and in Jesus' name, you are liberated from that. There are Christians in the room right now who, who had, have faith in Jesus Christ, but you've become like the Galatian Christians. You have, you've mixed in a theology that says you also have to earn this too. You've got it broken. Salvation is by grace through faith alone period in sentence. There's nothing else you add to it. Your blessings from God come from Jesus Christ, not from your obedience to him. Hear me when I say this, God wants you to be obedient to the things. When we prayed for Josh and Jen, we're asking them, right, to be obedient to God and what God is calling them to do. They could be disobedient. They could say, no, we want to stay here, or no, we want to go to Pennsylvania, not Pennsylvania, but I don't know, Kentucky or somewhere. They could, whatever God is doing, they could be disobedient to it. They can. They have that free will to do so. But their salvation will not be lost because of it. They will just miss out on some wonderful opportunities. God. God wants obedience from us for sure. That's why he gives us his directions and his path. But we're not saved because of those things. We are saved because Jesus Christ loves us and gave his life for us. And then God puts his Holy Spirit inside of us and now we get to go live in a way that honors him and glorifies him and makes you weird with all your friends? What do you mean you're not drinking anymore? What do you mean you're not going to the strip club with us? We always go to the strip club when it's someone's bachelor party. What do you mean you're not going to this? What do you mean? And you get to go be weird with all of your friends because God loves you so much and he's placed his spirit inside of you. You haven't missed him. You haven't missed him. You think that he's never going to do the thing he said he would do. He's going to do the thing. And he's going to do it. I don't know how to say this. I want to say this lovingly. Not because of you. And then sometimes in spite of you, he's going to do it because of Jesus. There's something he's doing in your life through him. Okay, that's it. I tied it up.
Amen. Okay. Let's pray. Would you stand with me? Real quick, do you guys know what amen means? It just means I agree. It just means let it be so or whatever. It just means amen. So when I'm done praying, if you want to say amen, it just means I agree. And it'd be awesome if you agree with what I'm about to say. Lord, you're good. Lord, you're good all of the time. We thank you for everything that you've done in our lives, the things you've done in our past. And God, we are so thankful for the work that you're even going to do for us in the future. We know that we cannot lose if we have faith in Jesus. We know that our salvation is secure. We know that the Spirit of God comes to us and empowers us to live the abundant life. We know that this life can be different and transformed. And we know that you're a God who works towards that end. So we thank you for that. God, we thank you for everything you've done that even though the story seems barbaric, that your son Jesus, your only son, would bear the punishment of the sins of the world, but that's the plan that you had. And it's the only way that we were going to be free from the clutches of sin and death and the grave, that you have freed us in Jesus Christ. And so we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for your body that was broken and your blood that was shed for us on, on our behalf, Lord. We thank you for that. God, give us the voice now to declare that back to you so that heaven, the, the windows of heaven would be open and you would hear us sing from your throne our gratitude and our thankfulness, Lord. Give us the voice to sing. Give us the voice to praise you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you. 